it does create that sense of the typical experience of the Tokyo male in 1960s Japan who was not the beneficiary of the economic boom, who was still downtrodden and almost like forgotten as all of these high rises and all of these buildings went up around them. He actually depicts that literally. It's the one about the sky burial. I what, thought what's that, not to like? It's the way Tibetans honor their dead. You let the vultures eat them. It's hard to say because the emotion is so abstracted and distilled. You can't really, in five pages, give that full breath. And the emotions that he is depicting are really, really complex and, and odd. There's that one story, gosh, where that guy ends up fucking a dog. I mean, what leads you to that point? After last week's reading of Osama Tezuka's Ayako, with its immensely messed up family dynamics and political strife in post-WW2 Japan, I was really looking forward to reading something funny or uplifting, dude. Something that could push us towards our highest aspirations. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But as a wise man once said, wish in one hand, shit in the other, and see what fills up faster. (laughs) That is what I learned this week, Ryan. Well, that's right, Roman, because all three of the short story collections I tortured you with this week reflect that delightful ethos. So this week we read three books by the rather obscure manga artist Yoshihiro Tatsumi. We read The Push Band, which collects some of his short graphical stories from 1969. We read Tatsumi's Abandon the Old in Tokyo, collecting some of his 1970 stories. And then we read Goodbye, a selection of his stories from 1971 to 1972. And good Lord, I feel much better after reading them. Right. Because Tatsumi's depiction of Tokyo largely takes place amid the garbage-strewn alleys of, of 1960s Japan, where silent, sexually repressed men try and often fail to reconcile their unquenchable lust for women or companionship with basic human dignity. That was the original name of our podcast, by the way. Basic human dignity or trying to reconcile our unquenchable lust for women. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's an economic boom time for Japan as the company as the country is in the midst of an insane renaissance following its post-war devastation. But it's very much a renaissance of the haves and have-nots, and Tatsumi's stories tend to follow the men who are very much have-nots and know it. And it's worth pointing out that two of the stories, one is about a man guilted into caring for his incontinent elderly mother, and another is about a man who sees beloved pet monkey ripped apart in a zoo, were written for a children's magazine, Ryan. That's right. Children grow up fast in Tatsumi's Tokyo. (sighs) I'm Roman Segal. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two guys who had better be reading some more uplifting fare next week. But just wait... A few more weeks. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Roman, I'm actually still working through how I how I'm processing Tatsumi's work. I I, I found it very very impactful, and it's hard for me to think about it in terms of like 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 a normal collection of short stories in terms of character development and in terms of they're so distilled and the emotion is so raw. But what did you think about it? Well, I 
was pleasantly surprised that I had actually read this before. I didn't realize it. Years ago, I went on an Adrian Tomine binge from the library because the guy who does the cool New Yorker covers and really dark American nonfiction graphic storytelling. And I requested everything by him from the library and a few books by Yoshihiro Tatsumi showed up. And because Tomine did this, he almost like curated and edited the American translation for his publisher, Drawn and Quarterly. So I read more than a few of these already. And another book that he curated was about the life and times, almost like a graphic memoir autobiography of Yoshihiro Tatsumi called this A Drifting, is the drifting life. life. A Drifting yeah. Life. So I didn't realize I read them. I was like, oh, it's cool. Some obscure manga shit. And, and it's worth saying that this isn't just manga. It's something called Gekiga. And I'm probably mispronouncing that, which is like dark manga or like not dark humor, but like schadenfreude kind of manga. And last week we talked about Osamu Tezuka, who is known by many as the godfather of manga. And while Yoshihiro Tatsumi is was actually not fully his contemporary, but held in the same ranks, but more obscure. And so I guess the first thing I'd say is pleasantly surprised to reread something with more context before I was just like binging through books. And I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about these books because I read one a night, one night after the other. And I view them as a trilogy. And mm -hmm. it reminded me of the Star Wars trilogy. And let, let me complete this thought, Ryan. And then I'll let you talk. <laughs> the first one is like a punch in the face. I've never seen anything like it. Star Wars A New Hope. The second one is, it's actually better tonally. It's a little darker. It's a little more polished. And that's The Empire Strikes Back. The second book, Abandon the Old in Tokyo, which is an awesome band name, by the way. It's The Empire Strikes Back of the trio. It's probably my favorite the third one goodbye is the return of the jedi of the trio the art's better the stories are bigger and it just left me wanting literally every story in this last one made me wanting so i i really and as i was thinking through it after those three nights of consecutive reading i was like this is the star wars trilogy of gekiga so i i you know actually i think it is important that you read all three of them because if i had just read the push man i would have been like mm -hmm. yeah, it's all right it's 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 interesting they're like these fable-like stories and each one has almost like a i don't want to say a moral but there's like a little bit of like dramatic irony at the mm -hmm. end for instance in the first story a man like working in a factory cr cr causes an accident purposefully to basically gets his hand severed and then for the insurance so he can payment. get that for the insurance payment which he uses because his which he needs because his wife wants to open up a a hostess bar and he gets the money and then she leaves him and at the end he is left still you still crippled having to find another job in a, in a factory one that one that accepts cripples and so like that those like almost pat ironic endings were very very typical in in the pushman and then later on as the as the as the as his work progressed he started to become i think a little bit more ambitious instead of having these fable like stories he really tried to delve into the psychology mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. some of these these people of some of the people that he was basically it felt it almost feels voyeuristic the way he's tracking these people yeah and and they often end in the second and third volumes without a very clear-cut ending, very ambiguously. Yeah. Which I actually really liked. <clears throat> it it created more sense of... This sense is of a mystery. lived world that you're dropping in on. Yeah, and then and then and you don't know what's going to happen next. The, their stories aren't over, but then you are 
lifted out of it. You lose that fable aspect of the Pushman, and and in in turn you get this this sense of of your this this almost documentarian like cataloging mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and their horrible lives, and then and then and then and then you're 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 pulled out of it. You don't get to see them all the way through. You just left with like a little bit of mystery that you have to piece together for yourself. And I I, I love that feeling. What 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 strike strikes me is the tone. And I don't mean like the tone of this. There's so many elements. So tones probably, I'm just trying to capture everything, but like it changes so dramatically year to year. And these are all books that were written within like three years of each other in the late sixties, early seventies. And so it feels like he was abruptly shifting his style once a year. And maybe it's because of the sheer volume. And again, these are selects. It's not everything he made that year, but it's, it, it, the I mean, they feel like different artists. They feel like different storytellers sometimes. Yeah, some of them almost feel like like there's that story of the of the guy who gets put in the hole by the mm-hmm. woman. It almost feels mm-hmm. like a pure horror story. Yeah, and 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 some of them almost feel like he's trying to almost like literary fiction, where he's trying to reconcile. So, the one I'm thinking about, for instance, is as a classmate who happens to stumble on his other classmate while he's visiting, mm-hmm. cross dressing. Yep. And at the end of the story, he's trying to figure out why this classmate wanted to be a crossdresser. And I think the explanation is a little bit clunky, but you can see the structure of, of Tatsumi trying to trying to work out a, a sensibility that he himself did not fully understand. Well, one other and- thing that I found fascinating was, with, with a couple of exceptions here and there, especially when it was like about like an old retired man, but story to story the the protagonist looks the exact same and mm. at first when you're first starting out in the, the very first book the pushman you're like oh is this just another story from this guy's life and it's clearly not but it's ingenious and i i think in the in the end of the book adrian tomine who was out in japan promoting his own stuff sat down with tatsumi and he asks him that is this on purpose and i think it pulls you in to say this is the everyman don't worry about yeah. who he is it's and and are these angles or perspectives of Tatsumi's own experience or him like fleshing out characters? But I really did appreciate that the people all looked the same and that made it feel more slice of life. It made it feel more relatable is the wrong word, but I, I just liked that they pretty much all looked the same story. to story. Yeah, they, he, he actually has like three male archetypes visually that he that he follows mm-hmm. around. There's like the older man with like the hair parted in the middle there's the there's the the blue collar worker who shows up in the push man a lot he's like mm-hmm. a little bit stockier and has the same haircut and then there's like the younger man the student and 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 yeah and and he 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 he, re, he reuses the visuals of those three characters so as you mentioned it, it initially you're like wait is it the same character but later on it's actually clear that that they're that they're different that they're different men and yeah, and and to your point, I do, I do like it. It does create that sense of this is like the the typical experience of the, you know, of of the of the typical Tokyo male at that time in 1960s Japan who was not the beneficiary of the economic boom, who was still still downtrodden and almost like forgotten as as all of these high rises and all of this, these buildings went up around them. He actually, there's actually a story where he, I, I actually feel he, 
he depicts that literally. It's the one about the sky burial. And actually, I didn't, I actually didn't like that story that much, but thematically, I what, thought what's that- What's not to like? It's the way Tibetans honor their dead. You let the vultures eat them. It felt like a strained metaphor in a way. It's like, okay, yeah, it's, why is this guy so caught up with, the main character has nothing to do with the Tibetans or the sky burial. It's just like a metaphor that he imposes onto the story, which is why I didn't like it. But- the main character also lives in this old shell of a building that is forgotten. And you see in the visual all of these other buildings going up around it, whereas his building is is abandoned and growing weeds. And it feels almost like an explicit metaphor of people who are left behind in, in Tokyo as as the as the as the boom times as the boom times I, commence. I, I was literally left feeling that that these are I just tried to read the stories as literally as I could. But it did feel like pretty much every other story was a metaphor for something I wasn't understanding. And I, I knew there was something deeper probably going on, or maybe I was trying not to read into it too much, but I knew there was something else at work with almost every story I read. It's hard to say because, again, like these stories are so short, like the emotion is so abstracted and distilled that you're not sure whether it's distilled because he's trying to reach for a metaphor or if it's distilled because it's just it's just the format. You can't really in five pages, give that full breadth of complex emotion. And the emotions that he is depicting are really, really complex and, and odd. What compelled... There's that one story, gosh, where that guy ends up fucking a dog. I mean, what leads you to that point? I mean, there's this guy is so lonely and downtrodden, and he, he goes to this place where hey, you get a you get to play with a dog and you're thinking, okay, it's like like a comfort dog. You get to like just pat its head or something like that. But the dog is like coming onto him and has had its teeth pulled out, which is like a horrifying detail. And then the dog gets upset when he's like, or she, whichever, is sexually rejected. I don't think it really makes either, makes it better. <laughs> and, and almost out of pity and commiseration, the guy gets naked and we see him have intercourse with, with the dog and there's a shock value to it for sure but it doesn't feel like it's really played for shocks it's not like tatsumi definitely depicts it but it's almost depicted it's almost like regretful and sad when it happens rather than for instance the 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 TV show Black Mirror, the the first episode of the first season where the prime minister fucks a pig it's all leading <laughs> up to that moment and that moment is like Here's the big moment y'all been waiting for. And you see the dude fuck the pig. And here it's more like, man, it's really, really sad <laughs> that this guy has been led to this moment. He's like, like he's just completely gotten rid of his own human dignity in search of companionship and temporary solace, which is something, honestly, that happens a lot in, in his books. I mean, that's like well, the most extreme example. But it, that is something I want to talk about. Like first impressions of manga growing up, were okay japanese comics lots of motion lines lots of action and mm. then i go to japan and i talk to a lot of americans and canadians and indians living in japan and they're like it's a common storytelling medium down to like old perverted men on the train reading effectively softcore or hardcore porn and i tried not to be too judgmental but i was shown so i was like wow oh my god there's like literally kids on the subway or adults on the subway reading this sitting across from kids and again it's similar to comic books there's all sorts of storytelling it's just a medium manga is just a medium and but <laughs> in the the few books that we have read 
never mind the horror stuff, but specifically Ayako in this. And maybe it's just cultural sensibility that people are just immune to it, but there's a lot of, not just nudity, there's a lot of fucking, there's a lot of porn. And I, so much of it is with this male protagonist's view of women. And it's it's not disturbing. I can distance myself from it. But it's interesting. Even like one of the books in The Pushman was The Projectionist. And that was honestly, it was one of my favorite stories. And it's about this, literally a guy who goes town to town, business meeting the company offsite with a projector to show porn to a bunch of dudes. <laughs> And that's that's the story. And I mean, but then there's a lot of stories where the female character, the wife, the girlfriend is a hostess or the husband goes to a hostess bar to get a hand job or something like that. And I'm just like, yeah. And again, maybe that's I'm just telling you what's happening in Japan and how men are. And I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I, it's, it's a recurring motif, right? There's a lot of sexual frustration in almost all of these stories. That is a thing that, that, that just, that he, that keeps cropping up again and again. And men looking for an emotional connection, connection through, through, through sex or, or masturbation. And of course, not, not getting it. Men having extreme anxiety over, over, over their relationships with, with women. Men wrestling with, with their their baser desires to, to to rape somebody, and this is this is recurring over and over again. It's like almost every story has a lot of sexual anxiety in it. And, and, and I it, guess the question is 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 it a uh, is it a tool? Is it Yoshihiro uh, working out something, or is he doing it for his audience? That see that I don't know because you'd have to know like the the guy's intention. Mm-hmm. It's something that he's clearly fascinated by he's he's fascinated by sexualities that he doesn't understand i think but the the i i mentioned this in a text to you the dog story wasn't the only bestiality story that mm-hmm. i read of his there there were there was actually i was reading a, a co- compilation of alternative manga and there was a tatsumi story in there about a guy who got dumped by his girlfriend and then he goes and frees some monkey from the zoo and then like the last thing is him the only monkey lunch. story either it's not the only monkey story either. And the last, last thing is him buying lingerie, presumably for the monkey. You don't actually see anything happening, but it's very, very strongly implied. So like bestiality, uh, cross-dressing, and Objectification women. of women. Objectification Object- of women. Objectification yeah. of women. Uh, yeah, so so it's it's this common theme. I don't, again, I don't know, I don't know how to, in, how to interpret it, whether it's, it's Tatsumi well, and, working and, it out or. Well, and again, that's, I'm genuinely curious. Like, I have heard... Is it a reflection on the society? And to be clear, men in our Western world are no better. Let's just be clear. Like it's, but is this a reflection on the Japanese man? Is this something to titillate the reader so he'll buy it? Because he's these short stories showed up in other magazines. In fact, actually, worth saying this. One of my favorite stories in Goodbye was Hell, which was the book about Hiroshima and the shadows. That, that was was a fantastic story. Yeah. Published in yeah. Playboy Japan, and Yoshihiro said it didn't do that well because it was in Playboy Japan. People just want to see tits, and they didn't want to read this dark story about murder and intrigue in Hiroshima. I, I, and, I so I would say I don't think his goal is to titillate because there are easier ways to do it. And, and when you look at the the way he tells a story, even I mentioned having sex with a dog. I mean that could be done in a very puerile fashion, but he's 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 actually taking he's, the he's telling matter a, seriously. A dark, a dark story. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, and it doesn't end on that moment. It ends on on the moment of this this guy. Actually, it ends very ambiguously where the where his debt collectors come back to, to visit mm-hmm. him, and he's like, I, "Who who are you?" I'm actually not sure how to how to interpret that moment. But so so there's not so even though there's like a lot of a lot of sex, it's not and a, and a lot of like really messed up things happen sexually. It's not meant. It's not it's not like flouted. It's not drawn in a way that would suggest he's trying to so, excite so maybe readers. i should maybe i should view it like a rated r hbo show this well, is some heavy shit and we're gonna show you sex because that's part of life or people's sexual desires let's okay so so what we're seeing here almost uniformly is that these men are emasculated the, i mean mm. sometimes literally like like yeah, impotence yeah, 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 is yeah, another yeah. theme that, mm. that that shows up men who there's a, one story where the guy is finally able to get the girl who's she's willing she asks him out on a date and and they're having sex and he can't get it up and she starts crying he starts crying it's everyone's just immensely disappointed and so and and so so impotence plays a very very big theme the impotence of these working class Men who are unable to provide for their families, who are unable to to support themselves, who are unable to make a decision whether to go with their girlfriend or, or their mom, mm-hmm, who are mm-hmm, unable mm-hmm. to exist comfortably in this in, in post World War II Japan when so much around them, so many people around them are prospering, and I, and I feel their their reaction to sex, whether it's trying to force it on a woman or. Mm. It's or 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 they're they're masturbating to a a a pornographic magazine. It's their way of exerting control over the situation, or or in some cases trying to like 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 the incident where the guy finally got the woman that he loved or had a crush on and couldn't get it up. Trying to find some moment of commiseration of human connection that ultimately isn't there. They or they're, mm-hmm. or they're unable to achieve it. And actually, I want to do a segue into his. The, the, his like post World War II story. I guess they're all post World War II stories, but the ones that mm-hmm, take place mm-hmm. immediately after the war, because when you look at in Goodbye, there's that story. Which one is it? It's the final story. It's called Goodbye, which literally oh. takes place during the American occupation of Japan, and the American soldiers are basically um, having their way know, with having Japanese their way women. with Japanese women, and the father, one of the women's father, shows up, and basically he asks. For money, and 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 he also makes these comments about wow, these foreigners are so big. I didn't know that they were so large. Look, you need a big bed just to have these foreigners. So there's a, definitely this sense of inferiority with this with this with this with this man who I think probably was a Japanese soldier. And if you want to look at that as a metaphor, I think it actually is pretty easy to look at that as a metaphor. They just got their ass kicked by the by the Americans. They just dropped a fucking at, two atom bombs on them. So there is this sense of 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 being weak and downtrodden and it's 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 reflected and, and, and you have these 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 Japanese these American soldiers coming in and as you mentioned having their way with all of these Japanese women. And so it definitely feels like a full-on invasion uh all over again, which it it's which it is. And and again, you see you see the in in the in that comic, the kids are throwing stones at this woman, calling her a whore, calling her a slut. And I wonder if if, if that's, that's I think I think it's I think I'm simplifi- oversimplifying it. But you do wonder if that, that to an extent is the genesis of some of this inferiority that manifests in feeling inadequate about your your sexuality. What I wish, and I think a lot about these compilations of short stories felt like an album. Each one did or a piece of a trilogy of 
<laughs> sci-fi mythology. But it's interesting that the first and the last story are the most directly impacted from the war. The first one being mm. a hell about the photographer in Hiroshima, and the last one being a goodbye about the woman with the American GIs and the relationship with her father. And I wish they had flipped those two. Start with the goodbye is a punch in the face of the demasculation of Japan. There's just so much like raw shit that happens in it. And I don't know what the moral or the metaphor of the story is, but the moral, it just ends on a really shitty down note about we're so fucked. This shit just happened versus I feel like that should have been the first one to shake you out of your senses and like get ready for the fucking roller coaster ride that this book is going to be. And the last track or the last story really should have been hell because hell does start with a punch in the face of right after Hiroshima, but it closes on this like deeply Japanese story of what we're going to do, how we're going to take control of our destiny again for right or wrong. They don't necessarily make the right choices, but it's just, it's just like, well, Life goes on. There's assholes and there's killers and there's the prime minister and there's memorials. I really would have I... liked to invert it because it because it left reading goodbye left a bad taste that the, the story goodbye as the last story of the book goodbye left such a bad taste in my mouth versus reading hell left me wanting more. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I can definitely I definitely see your point. I, I we were, speaking of hell. I thought that was like a really a really strong story. It turns I think it's one like of my favorites in all three books. Yeah, it, it turns into just like a little murder mystery right there, without you even knowing it. And what what I also liked about it, beyond that tip of the hat to to genre, is that it's this moment of the, the worst incident that happened in Japan, the the, the bombing of, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and he sees what he thinks is this moment of grace. Right, this he sees the 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 ashen silhouette of a son massaging his mother's back when the bomb explodes, and so it's this it's this moment of grace. This this like he's using this moment to like to maybe to maybe put an end to nuclear proliferation, and it's something that everyone can rally behind in Japan. It's that silver lining, and only to find later on that the son wasn't massaging the mother's back. That was a killer strangling the mother. Not <laughs> the son sent to kill. Yeah, the son, yeah, the son sent sent a killer to, to to strangle his mother. And so it's this the one thing that this guy had going for him. This photographer who took that picture of the of the ashen silhouette. He he had like hinged everything on like okay we can make something good out of this. This is going to be an inspiring thing. Only to have it be like this this the nastiest thing ever. I mean, not just a murder, but a son killing his mother. Why? He just wants her freaking house. And I just love how Tatsumi undercuts any attempt to get something to get something uplifting, to get something good from from this shitty situation just made it shittier. <laughs> But again, I, I'm okay with it. Like, I, oh yeah, I'm okay with a dark ending. It, but it's a dark ending that has closure, versus, uh, versus goodbye, just is a dark ending where the world is going to be shitty for the next twenty years. That's what I'm left feeling. And and again, it's and it's also the end of this trilogy of books. And is there another compilation coming? Maybe I don't know. But it's I hated. I just and this is this is my return of the Jedi comment. I just. 
I didn't need this whole journey of three books to end with goodbye. It really, it was, it felt like a real fuck you to me, the reader. When you think about, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to make an argument for keeping goodbye at the end, because like you said, it's just like a prelude to 20 more shitty years, but in a way that's what you get, right? Most of these stories take place in the 19, 1960s. So it is literally 20 years later in in Tokyo after 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 goodbye which is like literally right after Japan surrenders so it, it, it's to me it's almost like a capstone this is this is it it's it's hitting the, no but it's it, hitting the reset button because when the pushman starts you're in the middle in the thick of post world you're in the thick of the shit of as but and you're evolving and you're showing the different aspects of the shittiness of Japan and you literally hit the reset button and go right back to the beginning. <laughs> you go right back to the beginning to where it started, right? I mean, maybe that's maybe that was the intent in ordering. And I don't think Tatsumi ordered the books this way. I, I mean, I, I'm, I would guess Tomine had a say in it. But it's it's like going back and showing where it My started. guess is these are chronological. My, that would yeah, probably yeah, yeah. be... Well, the- you're right. You're right in the sense that Pushman is 1969. You're right. Yeah. And no, you're but I mean, right. even you know, the story, even the stories are probably chronological. So, like, it's interesting then that, I mean, definitely, like, Goodbye was written after like the Pushman and some mm-hmm. of the other stories you read. It was I don't know. I don't want to say that's later in his career, but he was already well into publishing these short stories a few years in. He, it's it's interesting that he starts to really look at, directly at the impact of World War II, the direct aftermath of World War II later in his career. And mm. maybe maybe it, there was, maybe it's like you get to a certain point. And what I'm making the assumption, and it could be wrong, and it could be wrong, that he didn't write about like immediate post-World War II Japan in, the, in you know 1969. I'm, I'm assuming mm. that that happened later on in his career. But it's like you get to a certain point in your career, you look back and you have a different perspective on what happened in the past and you feel ready to write some of those. The to sto- reconcile those, those... with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because like 1965 Japan, he's an adult. This is like his, what he's observing as an adult. 1946, 47 Japan, he's still a child and he's he probably doesn't have, at the time, he didn't have an adult's perspective of what was what was going on well, and, and, and i feel i feel like he did say that in the interview like these reflect the things he saw as a kid yeah um but he's bringing his adult perspective to it yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah. so so i mean it might simply just be a case of hey but i'm ready to write these stories now i i can well, i can well, i can see it much more clearly so this dark historical fiction or just this dark everyday slice of life storytelling gekiga did it pick up? Did other people adopt this style? Is he the grandfather of this style, or was he the only one who did it? I would imagine there are other people who are doing it. In fact, I mentioned that anthology I was reading earlier, yeah. and that definitely has that that it, it has the same the same sensibility. Really dark. It flouts the conventions of manga, as I guess Westerners might think about it, where it's mm-hmm. swords and guns and speed lines. It it's it's it definitely i mean it's they're they're indie comics from japan so okay that's a long way of saying i don't know roman like i don't (laughs) (laughs) well here's let me here's what i would say i um never into manga sorry like anime manga it's fine i'll appreciate some of the greats with everyone i'll read ghost in the shell 
seen Akira, blah, 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 but like Shonen Jump. But it really never did anything for me. And the work of the work of Tezuka and the work of Tatsumi, I'm into. I want to read this. And it's similar with comic books. Like, I don't mind a good superhero romp every once in a while, but I'm ready for genre fiction. I'm ready for things that are screenplays for non-superhero, non-superpowered, but a little bit of slant of supernatural necessary. Like, I'd like this storytelling. I want to read more of these kinds of stories in manga. And knowing that manga is more developed as a medium than comics, manga is honestly has probably a 20, 30 year head start on American comics because American comics got mired in the capitalism of superheroes and Marvel and yeah. DC for so long. Knowing, and to be clear, there's a whole world of amazing indie comics that came out for the last 30 years, but America in the West is finally having its like renaissance of great storytelling that doesn't have to be superheroes. That's picking up mainstream appeal, but that's been happening in Japan. And I want to go find the other greats now because of this, be it short stories or narrative fiction that are these longer arcs. When you think of like, I mean, manga is literally just, just comics from Japan. And when you think of the manga that has been exported to America or to the Western world. It's and the shit that kids translated. Well, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the equivalent of superheroes, right? It's like the same way that Spider Man's exported to Japan. It's all in that same Which, kind of watching Spider Man Japan. The actual there's a documentary worth watching about that. But the Spider Man Japan show, oh my god, so good. <laughs> really? I, there's a I, worth any any of our listeners, all five of you, including Auntie Pinky. Auntie Pinky, hello. Hello. If you have a Disney Plus account, Ryan will give you the login to mine. There is a fantastic, <laughs> and I haven't watched all of it. I've only watched five minutes because my wife won't watch it. There's a fantastic documentary about Spider-Man Japan, the TV show, which has nothing to do with the Spider-Man we know in America. And it's uh, fascinating. Just fascinating. I almost want to know why your wife won't allow it. Let's go, dude. Can we go down that 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 rabbit hole for a little oh, bit? No, it's, we'll... we're, we're parents. We have limited time to watch TV. So, uh, like, got yeah. it, got it, got it. Um, but like what Tatsu- Tatsumi is doing, it's I mean they're basically indie comics, right? I mean it's it, it's yeah. almost like Chester Brown, who we yeah, reviewed exactly, twice. Exactly. And I know actually Tomine did ask him, were you influenced? Were you familiar with guys? Like and he's like, Crow, no, it was just yeah. it's just a job. <laughs> Yeah, he said, not really. No, I just, I don't, he says, I don't even read manga. I mean, I think this is, he just had stories he wanted to tell. And this was, but his... what, what is interesting is, I think it's the, if, if Elon Musk didn't, I know he didn't invent the electric car, but if he didn't do it, someone else would have. And what's most fascinating about that, so you've got Chester Brown in Canada, you've got Tatsumi in Japan. These movements were happening. We just happened to be reading the people who did the best job or who got picked up by Adrian Tomine or whatever. And it's so interesting that around the world, indie storytelling outside of, awesome kung fu superpower stuff was going to happen anyway and it was going to be good well look if you if you want to read more weird indie manga i I mentioned this collection before but pick up alternative manga it's It's, a beautiful cover by the way it's a beautiful cover and it's edited by a guy named sean michael wilson i don't know if it's still in print so but i i I do know it's it's available for Hey man, price, we're both half we're are. both half facts, so maybe I can borrow it from you someday. <laughs> I'll send I can I can send it down to you, yeah. But that has like a whole collection of indie of of indie manga artists, inclu- including a story by uh, Tatsumi that I mentioned earlier. And it's it's actually really interesting to look at it because um not 
it a lot of it is very very unpolished like a lot of it looks like just some guy probably scribbling on the back of a notepad some of it if you look at it you would not think it's manga in the conventional sense it it, it basically has nothing in common with the visual style that we associate with with manga but it is manga in the sense that it's japanese comics out of japan so i would recommend you know maybe picking up that that compilation next because you'll get like a full and very strange breadth of creators who are who will let you peek inside their heads for for a little bit <laughs> but that Roman leads me to my next question. Oh, yes. Is, what are we going to read next week? Oh, Ryan, I've got a treat for you. What if I told you we were going to read a Viking revenge saga inspired by samurai cinema? I would say that sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah, man. Next week, we are reading Sword Daughter or S Word Daughter by Brian Wood and Mark Chatter. It's a revenge quest that will span the width of Viking Age Europe. Created by Brian Wood, who is someone I love. Beyond reading the post-apocalyptic DMZ, The Massive, Northlanders, even a thing about like the Revolutionary War, Brian Wood likes to either... Everything that he writes is grounded in a reality, in a reality of a not-too-distant future of where shit could be going, or a historical fiction of shit that did happen, or that sh- shit that could have happened. And I've not read Sword Daughter. I've read about it. Everything I've read by Brian, what I like, which leads me to believe that Ryan's going to shit on it. But what? <laughs> Next week, we've got your friend who loves him some Vikings. I don't remember his name, but he's coming on the show. And we're going to love is- Sword Daughter. His name is Penn Genthner. He is a big Vikings fan and a big history buff. And he has actually read Brian Wood's Northlanders as well. So um, really looking forward to having Penn coming on the show, dropping some knowledge about the Vikings, giving us his take on on Sword Daughter. And I'm looking forward to to reading it myself. But I mean, I, I really enjoyed this like trot through Japan and looking at some of the, the seedy relationships that that were depicted through by, by Tezuka and, and, and Tatsumi. But what? I'm ready for some Viking revenge right now. Pour yourself a glass of mead. Uh, <laughs> indeed, I will. A flagon of mead. I. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Got a suggestion? Shoot us a note. QTDcomics at gmail.com. We give you a social media handle, but we're old, and frankly, that feels like too much work. I'm Ryan Joe. And am I still Roman Segel?